Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. The word iniquity or iniquities is used a few hundred times in the Bible, primarily in the Old Testament. And the word is often used in the context of confessing sin. As in Ezra chapter 9 verse 6 saying, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God. For our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. From the days of our fathers to this day we have been in great guilt. And for our iniquities we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hands of the kings of the land, to the sword, to captivity, to plundering, and to utter shame as it is today. In Job chapter 13, verse 23, How many are my iniquities and my sins? Make me know my transgression and my sin. Psalm 51, verse 9, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. So we see how many people view their sin as they confess their iniquities and the iniquities of their fathers. But what does the iniquities of their fathers actually mean? Is it simply that their fathers were like us and that they were also separated from God by their sin? Or is there a reason why they must confess the iniquities of their fathers? Are we held accountable for the sins our fathers have committed? No, we are not held accountable for our fathers' sins, nor does God curse the descendant of a wicked person. And somewhere in time there came about a phrase, a generational curse. I don't know where it came from, and I've heard it mentioned on occasion most recently was last week when a new believer asked me about this. And not really knowing what was said in this person's hearing, I shared my understanding of scriptures on this issue, and that is that there is no such thing as a generational curse. But apparently, there are those who teach that there is. But we do see God pronouncing curses on occasion, and the majority of Leviticus chapter 26 involves the extensive punishment and doom upon Israel if they forsake the Lord their God, which they did, and received the punishment. Also in Deuteronomy 11, verse 26, it says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. So if we feel cursed and we are continually disobeying God's word, then this principle may be applicable, that we are ourselves under some kind of curse from God. So if we turn from our wickedness and we begin to live our lives in obedience, then we can move from the curse and into the blessing. And that's what the cross is all about. This entire world is under the curse of the fall. That's why we see so much evil. And most people have not even seen the evil that is hidden in the homes of their neighbors. There is heinous evil in the communities across this country and the globe that goes unseen by most people. So in a sense, disobeying God's word and doing our thing brings about consequences for the offender as well as the victims of their evil. To the victims, this isn't a curse. It's the evil being poured out on them by a wicked person. And I've seen a lot of this, innocent people being affected by evil people. But this is not a generational curse. The curse doesn't have to continue. But sometimes a person brought up in an evil environment experiencing that darkness will fall into the same trap. And that's not a curse, that's a choice. I recall several years ago listening to a man on the radio who grew up in a home where his father was a really bad drunk, and the son was so ashamed of his father and what alcohol did to him that he vowed never to touch a drop of alcohol knowing what his father had become like. And he stayed faithful to that vow until one night at a company party where he was offered a glass of champagne. 
And in his own words, he said, as soon as he took a drink, he knew immediately that he was an alcoholic. And then he nearly destroyed his entire life with alcohol in a very short time right after that. He knew what alcohol could do to a person, and he knew it enough to avoid it. But then thinking, hey, it's only a glass, he fell right into the snare and was shackled for years. Again, that's not a curse. That's a serious predisposition to addiction. And he was aware of it, like Adam in the garden. But then he did what he knew was wrong, like Adam, and he suffered tremendously, like Adam. But we do see the concept of curses in the scriptures, as well as people outright cursing others, like Noah did to his grandson Canaan when Noah's son Ham, Canaan's father, made fun of him while Noah was passed out drunk in Genesis chapter 9, verse 24. It says, when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. And this illuminates a truth that many who are ignorant of the scriptures often don't realize. Those God refers to as righteous in the scriptures, they're not perfect. And they often, despite their accolades from God, can act in a manner that is not only dishonoring to themselves, but to God as well. So the old adage, nobody's perfect, applies to everyone in scripture with the exception of the Lord. And that's good news for us boneheads who know we're not perfect. You don't have to be because you can't be until you are perfected in eternity. So with everyone who has come out of darkness into God's light, we understand this. So for us, it may be easier to see those lost souls doing all kinds of evil as candidates for salvation because we were once there. Ephesians 2.1 And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, by the way, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we were infected by the devil just like everybody else. And the devil is at work with everybody who is disobedient, regardless if they think they are or not, including us, if we're not careful. When we start messing around with God's love, we need to understand the devil's real, and he is very deceptive and very effective in trashing people. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 18, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel regarding the children of the wicked being accountable for their parents' sin. They believed this at the time, and the Lord corrects their thinking in Ezekiel 18:14. Now, suppose this man fathers a son who sees all the sins that his father has done, he sees and does not do likewise. He does not eat upon the mountain or lift up his eyes to idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife does not oppress anyone, exacts no pledge, commits no robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with a garment, withholds his hand from iniquity and takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules and walks in my statutes. He shall not die for his father's iniquity. He shall surely live. We must remember God is holy and he searches the hearts and the minds. Therefore, the soul that habitually sins without repentance is the soul that comes under condemnation, not the soul that sins but repents and turns from their wicked ways. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So a curse that is passed down through the generations is contrary to the message of the cross. 
But with the prince of the power of the air, the devil again, running the planet and deceiving and destroying anyone he can, we can see evil perpetuating among families where there is no connection with God. And even though God can break cycles of wicked behavior in families, and I know a lot of people whose cycle was broken by God that came from wicked families, there still remains those who are in bondage to the evil inflicted upon them from their family. But this bondage is not from God, it's from the devil, whose deception found its mark, allowing him to place a choke chain around the neck of those who he has mastered. And that's really interesting when you start looking at all these people that you think are so squared away, but they've got these hidden things. And realizing, you know what, that person is being led around by a choke chain by the devil, even though they're rich or even though they're famous or squared away or beautiful or whatever. Those chains are everywhere. For the child of God, on the other hand, our chain has been broken. And now we walk in love, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have experienced that deliverance by God. So now it's our turn to be the light in the darkness to those around us. Psalm 72, 4. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. So if you feel like you have inherited a curse from your family's wickedness, take your concern to Jesus. Talk to him. Pour out your heart to him. The devil's deception is very effective even in the lives of believers. And we need to resist the devil and he will flee because he wanders around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if you've been devoured, cry out to Jesus. Receive him by believing in him and you will become a child of God and know that you are not cursed, rather you are loved and no one can take that away from you. John 10, 27, this is Jesus talking. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Our hope is in eternity, and we are one day closer today to the end of this temporary body and the beginning of our true existence in eternity. Thank you.